0: Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of my podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. I've been really looking forward to this week's episode because it's on one of my favourite topics, and that is books. Now, those of you who are regular uh, listeners to the podcast might remember uh, a few months ago now, back in the summer, uh, episode 12 of the podcast was all about uplifting summer books some of those personal development or spiritual development type books that i turn to again and again if we're looking for something that has plenty of insight and inspiration particularly over the summer months and i got some great feedback on that and it prompted me to do another episode on books now those of you who follow my blog and have been long time um Uh, receivers of my newsletter, uh, Next Steps, which is the first Tuesday of every month, might remember that for a good few years towards the close of the year, I used to list the different books that I read over the year and gave a little review of them. So I stopped that about a year or two back because I read so much. It was taking me so long to do book reviews for every book I read. I said, maybe now with the podcast, this is an ideal time to maybe share the books I read and love. And uh, I know this time of the year as well is when a lot of people will buy books both for themselves, maybe to read over the Christmas period or to give as gifts. So that's the purpose in sharing this. Plus, it was a great chance for me to go back over the books I read this year and to um, caress them, as those of you who are great book lovers will do, and smell them again and see the notes I wrote in them. And uh, this might sound a little bit nerdy, but one of the things that I've always done with books is I keep a note of the ones that I read. And I do this because I've kept a diary every year since 1986. So I have 30 odd volumes of diaries which I write at the close of every day. Uh, they're probably my most precious possession, but in the front of the the diary I take a note of the the books I read so I can go back to nineteen eighty seven and nineteen ninety two and the year 2001. And I can see what I was reading back then. So I don't know if that's a bit, a bit anal on my part, or maybe it's just material for a future biographer. I don't know. Um, But every year, I'll read probably on average 30 to 35 books. Sometimes it's been as high as 50, where it's nearly averaged one a week. Um, With the advent of Netflix and the uh, iPad uh, a few years ago, the the volume of reading dipped a little. And of course, some books are hard copy books. Some books I read on the Kindle and some are on the iPad. And I sort of think of the nature of the book and and what medium I would prefer to read it in. So over the course of this week's episode, um, I'm going to share with you the books I've read this year under several different categories from business to uh, history to fiction to biographies to personal development books hopefully some of them will um, be of interest to you and if you're looking for some gift ideas for yourself or for others it might just stimulate your interest you would probably also realize that I have such varied taste in reading that you think my goodness how does he keep it all in his head um, but I have to say books are one of my great uh, treasures and they're probably the only things I really hoard and also um, uh, I just get such great pleasure from them I think part of it is my my eagerness for learning and adventure and travel and, uh, and just knowledge, I suppose. So that's what this week's episode is all about. It's probably going to be a slightly longer episode than usual because I have a good few books to cover. Um, but let's get stuck in. I was simply going to go through the books in the chronological order in which I read them. But then I sort of thought maybe it makes more sense to group them together a little. So the first category uh, are business books. I read two what I would call business books this year. The the first one was This is Marketing by Seth Godin, G-O-D-I-N. Many of you will probably have come across Seth Godin. He has a very famous online following, YouTube channel, uh, blogs, Uh, He's on Twitter. Um, I've read several of his books over the years, and I suppose marketing is his and modern marketing is his main area of expertise, as I would see it. And this book got some great reviews. Now I'm no novice when it comes to the area of marketing. I've studied it before and I obviously practice it in relation to my own business. Um, so it it wasn't it wasn't full of brand new concepts for me, but then I suppose it did go back to the, what the essence of marketing is, particularly in the in the modern global connected web connected world. And there was a few pieces that I took from it that I found really useful, where, you know, he said in it, I'm quoting from the book here, if you're a business consultant or a designer or an inventor, uh, being famous to the right 3000 people is plenty so it, we all know the old adage of you cannot be all things to all people um, but maybe you can be many things to a smaller group that was one piece that i took from it it was a bit like know your tribe um, he also had the the main um uh, ethos perhaps in the book was that marketing is really about stimulating change and he summarized this with a lovely short little quote which was i can see a better alternative uh, will you come with me? Uh, simple uh, analogies, um, and and I found it powerful. I found it powerful in that it got me back to what the essence of marketing is all about. Particularly nowadays, when you can be, you know, the head can be so easily turned by the latest on social media or Instagram. Knowing that, of course, social media is uh, social media strategy can only ever be an extension of a business strategy. The other business book I read this year, and it was one that I've only recently finished, it was a leadership book, Leaders, Myth and Reality, by an American author, General Stanley McChrystal, who is a retired four-star general. Um, I'm fascinated by leadership as a topic. And again, this one got great reviews, which encouraged me to pick it up. Um, what, what the author did was, and he has some co-authors too, Is that they, um, under different themes of leadership, you know, things like the founders or the zealots, um, he brought in pairs of leaderships and juxtaposed, or pairs of leaders and juxtaposed them against each other. So, say, for example, in the chapter that was all about people who founded businesses and that those businesses survived after them and carried their name on, Uh, the two he chose were Walt Disney and Coco Chanel then there was the Zealots, then there was the Prophets. You know, it was a very interesting one where he had uh, namesakes, Martin Luther um, and Martin Luther King Jr. He also covered other leaders such as Margaret Thatcher, uh, Albert Einstein, Leonard Bernstein, Harriet Tubman, um, uh, a fascinating cross-section of leadership. Um, And I, I suppose the ethos behind the book was that ultimately, know, different environments will require different leaders, and that followers will ultimately choose the leader that they need at that point in time. And I thought that was an interesting insight as well. Now, here's a question for you. What do Leonardo da Vinci, Gary Barlow, Coco Chanel, Michelle Obama, and WB Yeats have in common? Uh, Well, as bizarre a grouping as they are, I've read biographies or autobiographies uh, of, of these people and others in the last 12 months. Um, I have to say, in recent times, I'm probably reading more and more biographies and perhaps less fiction. And I don't know why that is, but it's been a recent pattern in my reading. And I've won one biography in particular set up for the Christmas period. I particularly like reading biographies over holidays. Uh, Back at the beginning of the year, shortly after it came out, I read Becoming by Michelle Obama, which I think has been one of the most, if not the most popular biographies, autobiographies ever written. Now, I love Michelle Obama. She's a great uh, role model model um, she's a source of inspiration to me, and this was a book I was really looking forward to getting stuck into, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed in that the focus was on the early part of her life and not as much of her life as first lady was that is covered, but nowhere in the same level of depth as the formative years of her life. But then, of course, I remembered the title of the book, which was becoming becoming Michelle Obama, and um, so it made sense that there was more emphasis on the uh, on her earlier years. Uh, growing up in Chicago. And that was, um, you know, that was really sightful. And it sort of gave you insight into how she was shaped as a person. Uh, So I would recommend that one. And the second biography I read this year was a real tome of a book. It was Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson and Leonardo da Vinci of course we all know who he is and this year this this year marked the 500th anniversary of his death he died in May uh, 1519 And Walter Isaacson, you might have heard of him, one of his previous biographies was Steve Jobs, which uh, got very high praise. So between the calibre of the biographer and the topic, this was one I was really looking forward to getting stuck into. And, And I did enjoy it. It wasn't the easiest of reads. And part of the reason for that is the source material going back 500 years, is a little bit more limited than someone who has lived in modern times. What I did love about this book, though, was it included illustrations of uh, da Vinci's main artwork, and it was fascinating to see the context in which that was created and what was going on historically at that time period um i it did take me i did dip in out of this book a little because i as i say i think it was a little bit a little bit hard going and it was full of facts which was great um one of the things i picked up from from the life of leonardo da vinci was that he was a great list maker as am i but one of his lists was ha- was to have a to learn list so when he came across things that uh, stoked his curiosity, or, or curiosity, or wasn't sure about. He would take a note of it and then go back later and research it. Um, so um, a big, heavy book, but one that when I finished it, I certainly felt as if I had uh, far greater insight into the life of someone we all know. One of the things I wanted to resist doing in that book, though, of course, is just fast forwarding to the famous works of art. You know, the Last Supper and the Mona Lisa. Like many of the tourists going to the Louvre, they just sort of make a a beeline straight for the Mona Lisa. I didn't want to do that with this book. I wanted to take it all in context. Um, And and as I say, I dipped in and out of it, but it was well worth uh, persevering. Perhaps the book that surprised me most this year was another biography, an autobiography, uh, Better Me by Gary Barlow. Now, there you go. Michelle Obama, Leonardo da Vinci, Gary Barlow. Uh, but I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really applaud Gary Barlow's openness, his honesty, his vulnerability. Um. Obviously, I know who he was. I do, I do admire him um, as a singer, as a songwriter, as a pop star. Um, and of course, I grew up with Take That. And uh, for someone who at the year 2000, you know, when Take That broke up and his initial attempts at a solo career failed, you know, Gary Barlow was at rock bottom. He was the butt of jokes. He had weight issues, uh, depression. And of course, it's a real turnaround story. And he approaches it with a a honesty, an integrity, a sense of humour. One of the bits that I took from the book was Uh, what stood to him um, through the challenging times and he said he was never afraid of work he always had a strong work ethic which he learned from his parents and that combined with uh, the support of his family were the two main handrails for him and I have to say that's something I can relate to I'm very blessed to have a very supportive family and I'm not afraid to put in the work either something else that I learned from my own parents growing up the other angle that, that Gary Barlow brought into his success was that he's doing what he loves to do. You know, he played on a keyboard shortly after he could talk and uh, he was able to turn his passion into a prof- his profession. And of course, that's something that always resonates with me. Um, it, it's, a, it's an easier book, obviously, than the Leonardo da Vinci book to read. But if you've any interest in those great turnaround stories, um, modern culture, or if you're just a fan of Gary Barlow, that's a book I would recommend. Uh, Two other biographies I picked up this year, almost by chance, I was browsing this very small book section that's in TK Maxx, you know, the discount store. They have great stationery, by the way. Um, But they often have a few books there, particularly biographies as well, and they're really good value. Um, I picked up two, one, Coco Chanel by Bronwyn Cosgrove, and Christian Dior by Charlotte Sinclair. So both biographies about two of perhaps the most famous fashion designers. And I think they were maybe a five or each. Um, they were books that were originally commissioned by Vogue, I think. So they they not only have biography in it, but they also have great illustrations and pictures in it. If you're interested in a really good biography on Coco Chanel, I would recommend the Justine uh, Picardy one, P-I-C-A-R-D-I, which I read a few years ago, much more of an in-depth biography. But this one by Bronwyn Cosgrove uh, was very readable and very accessible, a little bit more broad brush, um, but very insightful. And they were bargains. Um, the, the other biography that I read this year, and I, it was funny because I was looking for one and this one sort of fell into my lap, was a pocket biography of uh, W.B. Yeats, William Butler Yates, by Fiona Biggs. And I picked this one up in a bookstore in Ashford down in County Mayo, a beautiful old bookstore. And it was the right book at the right time in the right part of the country. And it is a pocket biography. So, you know, it's not an in-depth one. But obviously, I knew plenty about uh, W.B. Yeats and his life interested me. And I didn't really know a huge amount about it. So being able to get this biography and to, to read it, it certainly gave me a broad brush insight into his life and a greater appreciation of a lot of his poetry, which of course I studied originally back in school. And what was nice with it, some of his poetry is included in it at the time when he wrote it. And I, and I liked that sense of incorporation within the within the book itself. So they were the biographies that I read this year. Um, as, as I say, it's, it's an area that I read in more and more frequently. I think I, just because maybe I'm nosy about other people's lives The next category is one close to my own heart. It's the personal or spiritual development books. I read many in this area. I'll often reread because sometimes you'll pick up a book again and get so much more from it because the eyes looking at it are coming at it from a different place. The first one I picked up as soon as it came out this year was The Path Made Clear by Oprah Winfrey. This was not not a follow-up, but it's in the same vein as a previous book of hers, The Wisdom of Sundays. And like that book, The Path Made Clear is a compilation of snippets, quotes, insights by a whole range of spiritual or personal development teachers, all of whom who have appeared with Oprah on Supercell Sunday. So, if you're a follower of Supercell Sunday as I am, there's perhaps nothing brand new in this. But if you're looking for a compilation of nuggets of wisdom and just to maybe get familiar with some um, teachers in this field from Ian van Sand, to Rob Bell, Wayne Dyer, the late Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, you'll get some great insights in, in, under different headings because they're themed in different ways. A great book for dipping in and out of or just for reading perhaps one, one page a day. Another book that falls into a similar category is When the Eye is Unobstructed by Francis Valore. Francis Valour, I think, originally from India, um, is a great advocate of the work of Anthony de Mello, he who wrote the book Awareness, which is fairly famous. And he has a uh, practice and runs regular meditation uh, classes and programs in uh, Donnybrook here in Dublin. And I read uh, his, his previous books, or two of his previous books, um, A Dewdrop in the Ocean and An Ocean in a dewdrop, if I'm pronouncing it right, were two of his previous books. And this was the latest one, When the Eyes Unobstructed. And I incorporated this earlier in the year as part of my morning routine. So I would read just a little page or maybe two pages out of it and contemplate it. It's not a book to read from cover to cover. It's full of little gems of wisdom, little insights based on the approach of... Uh, someone goes to see the master, and the master gives his advice back based on questions, and um, I suppose the wisdom of the elders would be a way of looking at it. Uh, so we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, another book that I that I uh, that I picked up in the summertime uh, was by the author Sarah Knight, an American lady, I believe. Uh, it's called "Cam the Fuck Down," Cam the Blank Down. It's uh, perhaps one of the modern trends of books in this area and that a swear word is included in the title, perhaps for shock value. Um, this one was a timely one for me because I picked it up when I was feeling a bit stressed and have a few ongoing health issues. And I loved the forthrightness and the the no messing about with the author. But I have to say, after a little while, it became a little bit pedestrian for me. It was almost like, you know, if you read the first chapter or two, you got the essence of the book. I felt the rest of the book was just a little bit more... Uh, there was nothing new in it, not for me anyway, but then I'm no novice when it comes to personal and spiritual development work. Having said that, there were uh, there was segments in the book that I underlined, but much more at the beginning of it than at the end of it. I reread uh, this summer as well, The Journey by Brandon Bays, quite a famous book, a um, lady who had uh, had been diagnosed with cancer. She did a lot of emotional and spiritual development work around that um, and, uh, and how that work assisted in reducing the size of her tumour. And, you know, for someone who is dealing with cancer, as I am myself at the minute, um, I, I have read a few books in that area just to assist with the mental and emotional side of it for the first time this year, I read some books by the author, the speaker, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And again, Joe Dispenza is someone who I had been aware of in the field of personal and spiritual development for a while, but I'd not read any of his work directly. So I picked up at the beginning of the year, one of his previous books, I think it was out in 2014, called You Are the Placebo. And in it, like in all his work, he brings together the latest, research in neuroscience, biology, psychology, hypnosis, behavioral conditioning, quantum physics. What I loved with this book was the combination, actually what I love with both of the books of his that I read this year, was the combination or the balancing of scientific research with uh, spiritual development work where a lot of things that maybe mystics for thousands of years have known and preached and practiced, where science is now catching up with that. And we can see the scientific evidence to support it from uh, practices such as meditation or intention setting. I really enjoyed you the Placebo, I have to say. It was a reminder of the power of the um, uh, the brain, the power of the mind in terms of harnessing our wellness. That was particularly the angle that I came at it from. Um, for, for me, Joe Dispenza does more than simply explore the history and the, um, you know, the psychology of the placebo effect. He asks the question, is it possible to teach the principles of the placebo without relying on an external substance and produce the same uh, internal changes in health and ultimately in the quality of our own lives. It's such a fascinating area, this. And because I really enjoyed that book, um, I, was, I was aware of another book of his that was only out this year. And then as luck would have it, have it I was gifted it, which if ever there was a little universal wink or a, or a nudge to read a book. And the other one of his I read this year, which I believe is his latest one, is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which is, which is quite a title. And in it, you know, the emphasis is really on acknowledging that you're not doomed by your genes or how you're hardwired, uh, you know, to live a certain way for the rest of your life, that, you know, science is emerging now that empowers us to create the reality we choose, which what I particularly liked with this book was that the whole final segment of it was full of practical exercises um, and a lot based on meditation and It linked to audio resources that you could download, some for free, some were paid where it enabled you to take charge of internal dialogue and and be much more immersed in his principles, which I really enjoyed. It made it um, multi-sensory, I suppose, would be the way to phrase it. I know uh, Dr. Joe Despens is one of the speakers at Pendulum Summit in January, but he's also scheduled to deliver a workshop in Dublin next year. I think he's in this part of the country, maybe not Ireland all the time, but I know last March he was in uh, Edinburgh. Um, he's many resources that are available free online and a and lot of a lot of his workshops are very competitively priced as well Um, I also in in the last few months as well dipped into a few classics in this area because sometimes as I say I'll just feel the the urge to connect with say Brené Brown I picked up again her book Daring Greatly and also the, the classic by Eckhart Tolle The Power of Now um, uh, one that I'll just dip in and out of every so often. So now for the novels, the uh, the works of fiction that I read this year, one of my favourite authors is Kate Atkinson. And every year, well, she's prolific. Every year she has at least one book out. But I read two of hers this year. Uh, The first one was Transcription. Uh, This one, I'll give you a bit of blurb on the background. If you can hear some papers rustling, it's only because I'm surrounded by books at the minute. Um, This story begins in 1950 when Juliet Armstrong is working as a producer with the BBC. And a chance encounter with a wartime colleague who pretends not to recognise her, sends her back to the 1940s when she was uh, working as part of the war effort and a um, uh, fascinating area beautifully written this book I have to say but it was inspired by true events and in reading about this book the author was saying that you know back when spies were uncovered and there was double agents and you know there was plots to um, uncover Nazi spies uh, many of the characters of the main players involved in it subsequently became known but she was curious about the typists who transcribed all of the endless conversations that were overheard or bugged and that was the, the gem of inspiration for this book. Of course, as any good writer will do, there will be parallels to the present time and there was one or two lines in this that I thought were really spot on. One of the characters, um, the, the, Juliet's boss in it, says, do not equate Nationalism with patriotism because nationalism is the first step on the road to fascism. So, whilst that was referring to Germany in the 1930s, we can apply it to uh, many nations nowadays where the focus is on nationalism, but nationalism has been the, the precursor to fascism if it's not unchecked. Uh, the second book. By Kate Atkinson, that I read was Big Sky. That was a new one of hers this year, and it was the latest in a series of crime books that she uh, writes. So I've great admiration for her because she writes in a few different genres, and her crime novel, or her main detective, who is a PI, a a retired policeman, uh, Jackson Brody. And this book, I, I did, I really enjoyed it. I had it away on holidays, so sometimes if I'm reading when I'm out in the sun, they always seem to be better books. Um, I think the, the the Jackson Brody books have been made into uh, TV series. But of course, there are so many um, uh, detectives and uh, crime books in this area that it's easy for it to be cliched. And whilst this one was dealing with the topic that's, I suppose, unfortunately very common in the real world, but also covered in many crime books of um, human trafficking, um, it was really the author's deft, deft touch that stopped it becoming cliche. And for me, one of the main things about all books I'm reading, particularly novels, is that they have to be well written. And Kate Atkinson's are. Uh, this happens, this is a great novel in itself that just happens to be a detective book. Another novel I read this year was Less, le by Andrew Green. The main character in it is called Less, le Um, it reminded me a bit of my one of my own books that I've written, The Odyssey of Abraham Little, where the word little was chosen purposely as someone's surname, maybe to to keep him as a small character. But what appealed to me about this book, we had someone who was turning 50, which is sort of a little bit relevant for me next year, um, who is facing many crossroads in his life, happens to be a gay man, happens to be single, is invited to the wedding of a past partner and how that brings up many uh many things for him Um, he's also a writer so again <clears throat> something that i can relate to and uh he's invited to go on a book tour which brings him to different parts of the world i'm not sure if the writer was attempting an element of eat pray love with that where you know there's the local color of of different uh, cultures involved in it. Uh, I read it on holidays, which, again, always puts a positive shine on books for me. Uh, and I did thoroughly enjoy it, I have to say. And it was an author I've not come across before, but I'll be keeping an eye out for him. Two other novels that I read this year that I do want to speak about a little bit more. One was When All Is Said and Done uh, by Anne Griffin, an Irish book. Interestingly, this one won the On Post Award for Best Debut Novel. And I came across it via word of mouth. A friend recommended it to me as one of the best books she's ever read. And I'll take that with a pinch of salt. But I have to say it's probably one of the best books I've read this year. Um, it's about an 84-year-old man, Morris Hannigan. He's alone. He pulls up a stool and a glass at a at a bar in a in a country hotel, and he raises five toasts to people who have impacted his life, some alive, some dead, most dead, mainly dead, I should say, uh, over the course of his 81 years. Uh, beautifully written. I have to say it's it is heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. It's a book that will stay with me um I found it incredibly sad. And that might sound an odd thing to say, but I love books that stimulate emotion, whatever that emotion is. I did find this to be one of the saddest books I've ever read. Um, uh, and, and I happened to start reading it when I was in hospital for a few days. So it wasn't good timing, let me tell you. Um, but it, it it has a book that has impacted me and well deserves all of the, the credits um, it has received. Another award winning book, and I just finished this one, actually, is Shadow Play by Joseph O'Connor. And I've read really every book that Joseph O'Connor has written. I just love his writing. I love his his turn of phrase. Some of his previous books include Ghost Night, Redemption Falls and one of my favourite books ever, Star of the Sea. And this one novel of the year with the Unpussed Awards recently. Um, What I find with Joseph O'Connor, you know, it's a very tender but wittily written biographical fiction about Bram Stoker, about the creator of Dracula. Uh, The the main characters in it, Bram Stoker himself, uh, the actor Henry Irving, the, the actress Ellen Terry, and their time together at the Lyceum Theatre in the 1880s, 1890s in London. You know, you have Walk on Parts by Oscar Wilde, it's the time of Jack the Ripper, the Whitechapel murders, and it brings together in a very in, in a very light, but insightful way, the inspiration for Dracula. And what I found interesting with this book is, you know, I, I obviously knew of Bram Stoker, how he was born in Clontarf, et cetera, but the, uh, and was Irish. But the um, I didn't realise that he really had no fame in his own life and his own, you know, how he, how he died. And that was fairly sad. And it was only 10 years or so after his death that the uh, the silent movie Nosferatu was brought out, uh, which was based on his novel. And if you think of the hundreds of uh, Dracula movies and vampire movies that have been out since, uh, none of which, you know, he's aware of because he died 10 years before there was any any following of such. Um, and, and a fascinating book, I have to say. Um, I will reread certain novels as well every year. Um, every few years, I'll read Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. I just love it. It's like a warm blanket. Uh, and this year I did pick up from my bookshelves the novel Possession by A.S. Byatt. It won the Booker Prize back in 1990. I think there was at the end of the 90s, a movie brought out which apparently was not so good. I have not watched it because this book I, I really admire. Um, it's not just a book. It's it's written from diary entries. It's written from, it's written with poetry in it. Um, it's a real literary detective novel as well. Um, one of the things that I discovered this time, though, on reading it, uh, what, the guts of 30 years after I read it initially was, oh my God, the writing is so small. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it as a book, a real, a real literary tour de force, and I remember it being one of the first serious novels I read after leaving school. Um, and and I used to sort of think Booker novels were too inaccessible and too heavy going. But this one, whilst beautifully written, complex, deals with loads of different themes, great characters. It has that um, page-turning quality that perhaps you don't necessarily uh, expect, a, you know, a big award-winning book to have. So an oldie but a goodie. So we're nearly there. Just a few more books to mention. Uh, these one will fall under the heading of non fiction. So they're not fiction, they're not novels, they're not biographies. The first one was Around the World in 80 Trains by Manisha Rajesh, or A J E S H. She had written a previous book around India in 80 Trains. So it's obviously playing on the, the phrase Around the World in 80 Days. Now, I, I'm someone who's always loved train travel. I love travel full stop, but I think there's something romantic about trains. And um, in this particular book, the, the author, uh, she traveled around the world her, with a rucksack and her fiance, Jem, uh, accompanied her for most of the journey. She leaves uh, St. Pancreas Station in London, crosses the vast expanses of Russia and Mongolia, North Korea, Canada, Kazakhstan and beyond. Uh, The journey is one of movement and mayhem. And of course, they strike up friendships and swap stories, sometimes exceptionally funny, uh, sometimes very frustrating, but ultimately endearing uh, with all the travellers that they meet on board and taking in some of the, the, the wonders of the world. Um, one of the one of the, the last train journeys, of course, was on the silk-sheeted splendor of the Venice Simplon Orient Express uh, when they travelled back to London from Venice. Uh, I particularly enjoyed that part of it. Um, uh, as I say, I love travel books, I love train books, and I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Another book, another non-fiction book I picked up, really only because of the title, such a fantastic title, One More Croissant for the Road by Felicity Cloak. Uh, Now, I'm someone who enjoys croissants. This lady was on a cycling holiday around France and um, the different places she stopped, her adventures on the road um, and every chapter in it had where she picked up a croissant, either from a little cafe, a bistro, a service station, and she would rate them. Um, And I suppose with this book, I was looking for perhaps a little bit more of the feel of maybe a, a year in Provence. Um, but I did find it very endearing. And, and of course, the element of rating croissants is something that I could uh, that I could relate to for sure. So before I go through what's currently on my bedside table and what I've lined up for some Christmas reading, a quick note of thanks. Thank you for tuning in. I'm always so grateful and equally amazed with the positive feedback I'm receiving on these weekly episodes. More information about me, James Sweetman, of course, is available on my website, jamessweetman.com. There's always new YouTube clips or uh, new uh, blogs posted and of course there are tickets still available for my annual flagship workshop soar that takes place in the westbury hotel on the 30th of january and of course this is the Tenth consecutive year of sore, so we're we're kicking it off with a glass of bubbly, which always helps. So, what's currently on my bedside table at the moment? I'm really enjoying *The Globalist* by John Walsh, which is a biography of the late Irish businessman Peter Sutherland, who I think died in 2016. Now, I was aware of Peter Sutherland and his role as Attorney General back in the early 80s, at the time of the um, Eighth Amendment uh, referendum. His role as, commission, uh, as EU commissioner from 1986, I think it was, and uh, how he was chairman of BP and the head of Goldman Sachs International and various other roles that he was involved in. It's a great one for social history as well and for some uh, insights into the political intrigue both here in Ireland and in the EU. Um, also lined up for Christmas is the book *The Water Dancer* by Tanaïsie. That's T-A hyphen N-E-H-A-I-S-I Coates C-O-A-T-E-S. This is the current book club book, uh, Oprah's book club book. And I went into my local bookstore to get it, but it wasn't available in this part of the world until February. But I ordered it online via Amazon, and of course it arrived five days later. It's a book about the main character. Hiram Walker, who is born a slave on a Virginian plantation, and how he becomes actively involved in the Underground Railroad, um, that unofficial pathway for slaves to escape to freedom um, in the northern states. Interestingly, Underground Railroad is also the title of a book I read about two or three years ago by Colson Whitehead, which I think won a Pulitzer Prize, and it was an excellent read. And I believe as well within this book, the, The Water Dancer, Um, One of the characters that features is Harriet Tubman, who was famous at the time as one of the the people, one of the women who assisted slaves escape. And of course, she's featured as one of the leaders in that book by Stanley McChrystal that I mentioned earlier. Um, Another book that I have on the shelf at the minute is Walking by Erling Kaga, C-A-G-G-E, who is a Norwegian explorer and adventurer. I read his previous book, Silence. So I suppose someone who's walked to the South Pole is used to walking and silence, hence the, the titles of the book uh, or his books. A uh, great one to give as a gift. I think it's one that I will dip in and out of. It's one for contemplation and reflection. And then the last book, a big, meaty book, is the third part of Charles Moore's biography of Margaret Thatcher. Now, Thatcher was such a dominant figure in the 1980s when I was growing up. I read the two previous installments of this authorised biography. Uh, They were excellent reads, I have to say, and I'm really looking forward to this one. So I witnessed, of course, the end of her career and how she was ousted in 1990. And then, of course, there was the movie where she's played by um, Meryl Streep. But um, from what I know of uh, the previous books, this one will be equally intelligent and researched and unbiased even though it is an authorised biography. So that's what's on the bookshelves for Christmas. So I hope I have given you some food for thought with the various different books under the different categories that I've shared with you. Um, as I say as I said from the outset, I'm someone who loves books. So if you have come across any books that you've particularly enjoyed this year or that you think I might enjoy, feel free to pass on a comment or stick in a review or even send me a note through my my website, send me an email or via social media. So thank you for tuning in and until next week.